Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's time to remember this crap with Mike Donahue, and this is the one everyone has been waiting for because it's Packer Week. We get to remember the Bears and the Packers. And kids, I know it might not seem like it, but it hasn't always been bad between the Bears and the Packers. So, Mike, how are you doing? Not always. It has not always been bad. That's that's uh, a very valid when I, point. When we were youth, doing well. the, the Packers never beat the Bears. Yeah. We thought it was always going to be like that. They were they were of no consequence. Um, even when the Bears were of no consequence, so they were mutually inconsequential, I guess. But uh, there was a time all for all you youngsters gather around um, where what we've sort of been accustomed to for the last quarter century was at least in about an eight to ten year window, almost a solid ten year window, where at least the Bears had complete dominion over the Packers. But I guess the larger picture too, is that really there's about a 20 year window or, you know, eh, closer to 15 where, um, yeah, they were perennially, it was like this weird team with this mustard yellow pants that they weren't even from Milwaukee. They're from some other place up there called, you know, I mean, that's that, th- these are all my impressions in 1979, 1980, when they were truly at their historic nadir, 10 years removed from the Lombardi area or, and, and 12 years before Favre. And um, even when the Bears were bad, they were just, I didn't even hate them back then because they weren't even worth the time. And that's a fact. I mean, everything about the Packers is dumb. The the shitty little town they play in, you know, every other NFL team moved to a real city, except for them. (laughs) Those awful uniforms, the green, and it's not gold, it's yellow. That is yellow. And it's awful. They're stupid. My, my high school colors. They're the. They're named after packing meat in paper. Jesus <laughs> Christ! That's not a nickname. It's just a verb. It's it's awful. It's everything about them is stupid. What should we name the team? <laughs> looks over his shoulder. Bunch of warehouse full of guys <laughs> packing boxes. I'll call them the Packers. Uh. Yeah, I mean, you're right about the color. Green and gold is is that's a different that's a different thing. My high school, I'll go high school, green and gold. Proud of those colors. I yeah. mean, there's something a little pronounced about that. Though that is not even green and gold. No, gold is fine. Yellow is not. Right. Uh, Viking yellow is dumb, and the uh, Packer yellow is dumb. You know, if nothing else, the Bears have much cooler uniforms, and always have, have that. Uh, but you're right. There was a a 15 year period from 1978 through 1993 where the Bears were 23 and eight against the Packers. Um, and then going back farther than that, in the good old days, <laughs> for the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, the Bears had a winning record against the Packers every decade, and it was by a lot in two of those. From the 40s and 50s, they were 39-2 and two against the Packers. Then the 60s, the Packers woke up, you know, yep. and they were 15-5, and five, so that's not great. No, um, but then they went right. The, the, the Packers had before Lombardi, but after Curly Lambeau, they had about a 15 year stretch of irrelevance. They made the title game in 44 and then didn't make it back to, for 16 years, which in a, you know, an eight team league is, yeah. is normally hard to do. So, uh, but then right after the Lombardi era, which was, in, you know, with all due respect, um, 
up there is, you know, was it five championships in seven years? Uh, as soon as that ended, it was another 20 years of just wandering the desert. So up until the nineties, yeah. the seventies and eighties bears had winning records against the Packers. And then since then it hasn't been great. Which is really impressive because the Bears were bad in the 70s in the first few years of the 80s. So it just shows you how bad the Packers must have been then. Yes. And um, the one decade of competence, relative competence, of the last three is owed exclusively to Lovey. Um, yeah. The 2000s. And Lovey, in his introductory press conference, knew how to feed the meatheads. What yep. was goal number one? We're going to beat so, Green Bay. And he always said, was, Green Bay. <laughs> I was so dismayed when I heard that at the time, though, too, right? It's like, no, no, no. Well, like, to, yeah. But to Lovey's credit, it was it was goal one of three. It's going to beat Green Bay. Okay. Going to so start. It was going to going to go back to the playoffs perennially, which they didn't do under him. But they no, made the right. playoffs and going to win a Super Bowl. Be, and they did beat Green Bay. So it was more bottom up, you're saying, than top down. Like he wasn't saying, no, right, it was number first one step. is the top goal. Okay. Lovey's number first one step is start beating the fucking Packers again. Which he did. I was thinking about this tonight because I knew we were going to be talking about the Packers without even looking it up. I was able to just quickly tabulate, uh, like the Wanstat specifically comes on, comes, comes on board in 93 shortly after, uh, what a six out of seven year run where the Bears swept the Packers. Uh, but beginning in '94 and all the way to the end of Wanstead's coaching tenure, the Bears never, uh, never beat the Packers. So he beat him in '93 once, lost once, and then lost the next eight. He went one and nine. Right? I, I mean, you're probably looking at it, um, but I know that's that's a fact. Jerron at least split the first two years and then started another streak, and he ended up, I want to say, two and six. Uh, or maybe two and eight, not much better. So yeah, that's a hell of a run. So Lovey at least put a tourniquet on on that annual beating. Yeah, they had a from oh four to oh eight. Those ten games, they were seven and three against Packers. There you, well, there and you those go. Those were the Favre Packers. That was even more fun because Favre had been kicking the shit out of the Bears routinely. So yeah, it was nice to see him lose because we hadn't yep. had a lot of that. There's one game in particular for which I'll really be grateful for Lovey. It was an 05 when the Bears legitimately had a, you know, a good team that emerged and um and they had beaten the Packers a couple times I think by then. They, did they split in 04? I think they did in Lovey's first year as bad as they were. I, they may have gotten swept, but I think that he may have beaten them once that year, which itself was a refreshing change because I don't think they'd even beaten them in 4 years um at that point. Yes. Yeah, so but in 05 and technically in 04, Lovey was undefeated against the Packers. Because the second game was on January 2nd, 2005. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> but he beat him uh, in 04. He beat him 21 to 10. And that means he went two and one against them in 05 because they swept him in the, yep. the 05 season. Yes, they did. But the first, they, they clinched the division on Christmas Day in Lambeau that year. But that was a few weeks after they where they were still, that we talked about how fun, you know, when you see teams on the rise and the 05 Bears definitely uh, fit that description. Where they just started collecting, you know, started beating teams around, and they and they faced the Packers twice in December, I want to say, but the first one was in Soldier Field, it was cold out, and they must have dropped five six times. And I, I'm sure this is back when we had the message board, or maybe in the comments of Discipio. I remember just leave, leaving the comment because I still felt it about how all six sacks of Favre was like unleashed, at least for the fans, let's say unleashing about a dozen years of absolute frustration. Because up until that point. 
uh, in what 20 some odd games, he was probably about 19 and three, 20 and two for yeah, some stretch. It was, it, yes, it was, it was humiliating. Yeah, I mean, Rod, I mean, they haven't been that snuffed out by Rodgers specifically. It just so happened, far so has this ridiculous like 900 winning percentage uh, against them. Um, so we all remember the first game of the 2006 season. At Lambeau. Shut out, shut out at Lambeau. First time the Packers have been shut out at home on opening day, I believe. 26 to nothing. Uh, the scoring got started on a 49-yard touchdown pass from Rex Grossman to Bernard Berrien. Period. Then Robbie Gold kicked four field goals just to make us nervous because the Bears were beating the shit out of the Packers, but were uh-huh. not on the scoreboard. And then, as if to announce himself to the world, Devin Hester returned a punt right. 84 yards. His first of a NFL record, what, 19 return touchdowns? I'm glad you reminded me. The very first one was at Lambeau in a drubbing for a team that went to the Super Bowl. That's good. I like that. So in recent years, uh, things have not been so good for the Bears. I Do you know what their record against the Packers in the last 20 games is? Last 10 seasons, they haven't faced each other this year. So uh, it's basically 2010 to 2019. In 2010, they beat them on Monday night in Chicago. And then lo- You're not counting the playoff game that year, I'm assuming. Uh, I think the playoff game is in there, yeah. But I'm going to say, you know, they, they, they've won a few in there. But if you're talking 20, I'm going to say, so it'd be 21 games, right, or 20 games. Well, last 20. Last 20, all right. I won't Although, let's see. Well, if, let's go, well, yeah. I'm going to have to say... uh, The 21st game would have been a win, so I probably should say the last 20. Let's do 21, because it'll seem so much better then. (laughs) 5 and 16. 4 and 17. Yeah. Okay. We could probably, if we dug down, remember each of those. those And three of those are Lovey. And Lovey has coached Tampa and University of Illinois since. Nagy's the only other coach to have thrown a win in there. Wait a minute, no. 2015. 2015, that, his a, first year of Fox. That's Maybe a John Fox win. Yeah, that was the Thanksgiving game, right? Yep, there was some weird right. game where a bad, yeah, bad Bears team. All right, beat, so Fox, ooh, so, okay. so one each for okay. Lovey, none for Trustman. Fox. He got swept. Trustman got swept forward. He did, huh? All right. Okay. Is that right? So, Trustman, or was Trustman 13 and 14? 13 or 14. 14. And 14. He was 13 14. Oh, then it's Trustman. Okay. So Tressman, Fox, and Nagy. Yeah, everybody gets one. That's great. Everyone gets one. That's in the contract, I think. Okay. Four times uh, in the decade that pretty much concluded. Well, and that that's actually Tressman's probably an improvement. Tressman was at Lambeau. That may, yeah, well... There is a there is a, like an insignificant, uninteresting Thanksgiving night game where they beat the Packers. Yeah, this wasn't it. This was November 4th, 2013. Oh, that was but the game. both teams, it made both teams five and three. There was also the uh, third, uh, Sunday night game where Seneca Wallace found himself in the game after uh, Shea McClellan did the only right. memorable thing in a Bears uniform. <sighs> yeah, that's all we have Shea to, McCle- that's all we have to root for is can, can some slappy hurt Rogers badly enough? Cause we found out, Simply putting him out doesn't work. Because if you let him come back, even for the last few minutes, 
he's screwed. Right. So twice in that time, in the last, I guess it would be, um, uh, it would be seven seasons. 2013, they not, um, wait, I'm, I think I've got it. They knocked him out in a game and he came back. And then they knocked him out in a season and he came back. I'm not even, neither of those were 2013. That was nothing related to Rogers being knocked out. Um, but they knocked him out, not for the season, but for a good chunk of the season. And maybe that was. Does time go by that quickly? Was Shane McClellan on the 2013? Yeah, it years? had to be because he broke his collarbone. And so, so he came back to to throw that 50 yard pass on fourth down. Uh, that the same season. That was one of the years that they beat him. Yeah, I think so. Okay. that's because you know, that's I the just, reason why the Packer record was bad enough that the Bears were ahead of them. It just doesn't feel that long ago. I guess the older we get, the quicker it goes. All right. So the one the always... game the game Nagy won. Um, this was one that I unearthed when I was coming up with the stat about Nagy's record against winning teams, mm-hmm. and it was so terrible. And I was off by one because I thought that his win over the Packers was against a winning team, but it right. wasn't. It was against, and it wasn't even against a Mike McCarthy, because he had been already set. That's home. right. Yep. It was December against, of 2018. Um, what's his name? The dope who coached the Dolphins, Joe Philbin. That's right. And that was a That's game right. that as soon as the Bears won, the um, Packers told Aaron to go home. They said, all right, you're done. That's why, because they, they were like two games left in the season. The Bears yeah. won the division with that game. The Packers um, were 5-7-1. So and one. Yeah, it had a very had a very outside chance of, you know, if they run the table and other right. things happen, they can make the playoffs. So they lose. To go to five, eight, and one, Bears clinch the division. Packers tell Aaron, "See you next year." Well, I will say there's quality to that one rare chestnut of a game that you unearthed. Um, I was at that game. I mean, we can say this at least that because Bears playoff appearances have um, tragically been so few and far between that the Bears clinched the division um, and they eliminated the Packers in the same game. So we, that's a feather in our cap, yes, right? That's all. Uh, yeah, that's all. Nice. That ha- that happened. Knocked them out, and they also ended uh, Rogers' interception streak in that game when he was absolutely he couldn't even afford to throw an incomplete pass because it was fourth down out of his own end zone, and uh, the game was on the you know it was their last chance, and they finally got the pick, which yeah. I called. That was kind of the so. football equivalent of uh, Leonis Martin. Uh, robbing, yeah, yeah. robbing right. Paul DeJong of the home run to eliminate the Cardinals from the playoffs in twenty seven. Actually, playoff contention I, in twenty seventeen. I, I haven't re gone. I haven't gone over this in my head enough times to have it really hardwired hardwired into memory. But I remember down the stretch in that twenty seventeen season that on three successive nights, and I think the Cubs did pull this off. Number one, they clinched the playoffs. Number two, they clinched the division, and then they swept them. I want to say, and and then the third game they eliminated the Cardinals. Yeah, and that was. I might be wrong. Didn't Hendricks but, almost throw a no hitter? Uh, I don't know if that was in the same series. It might have been. I, I don't. It's funny how less of a grasp I have on the more recent events because uh, it takes a while from the really get hardwired. But so a, another uh, parallel between the Cubs and the Cardinals and the Bears and the Packers. Oh, the fact that we hate the Packers and the Cardinals mm-hmm. is now the 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 Bears and the Packers have met in the playoffs twice. Nineteen forty-one and two thousand eleven. Right. Right. Nineteen forty-one. They were both ten and one. So they tied for the Western Conference Championship and had to play it off. Bears yep. won thirty-three to fourteen. 
showed a lot of nerve on the Packers, by the way, because that was right in the midst of the Bears, you know, the Bears golden age, right? The T formation, they beat the Redskins 73-0 the year before. They went on to beat the Giants in 41. Although they got upset by the Redskins in 42, they they exacted revenge in 40, 43. They won three out of four, then for good measure, won a championship in 46. Uh, and divisional playoff games were, were, were rare. So um, the nerve of the Packers to really try to, you know, be a fly in the right back of the 41 season. Nevertheless, the Bears prevailed. So The other time is a little less fun to remember. I was there. That was um, – and I, I will go to my grave saying the worst thing that Jay Cutler did was when he got hit and tore up his knee that he didn't do what Brett Favre would have done. He Brett Favre would have laid on the grass yeah, like a for European like, soccer for like twenty minutes. He, people would have been worried that he was dead. Then he would have gotten up, and then because Jay tried to play with it, people think that he got hurt and he just went and put the stupid cape on and stood on the sidelines. He tried to play with it. In fact, Olin Krutz has said that standing in the huddle, Jay couldn't hold his leg still because nothing, the ligament on whichever side wasn't holding it anymore, and his leg kept Collapse. like. And they were like, Ugh, "Would you knock that off?" <clears throat> So he just on the and, and Troy Aikman and Joe Buck did him no favors, and Fox didn't. All of a sudden, that he went from oh, why isn't Jay in? No, oh, and then it took him like twenty minutes to unearth a hit where they thought, well, maybe he got hurt and that. Um, and so I always felt like you know because Jay well, and they showed him riding the bicycle, yeah. and like the narrative got went askew. They didn't have like I diligent enough like spotting or sideline reporting or. Um, yeah, it got out of hand. And yeah, because what, what of, the hell was Pam Oliver doing down there? No wonder they right? switched to Aaron Andrews. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, they got, and because Jay, because of Jay's attitude and you know be, people's inclination toward thinking the worst, um, yeah, yeah, it got out, it got out of control. And then, yes, know. it was, it was no fun. Um, I'm still about that particular game since we're, you know, um, picking scabs at old wounds. I'll always kind of be haunted. We talked uh, before the Bears um, where we mentioned, you know, Brady games. They didn't play the Patriots this year when Erlecker had a great career, but he got deked out on, uh, uh, you know, on an, it, it, by Tom Brady in, in that one season during the year they went to the Super Bowl. Well, in that championship game, there was the play, remember, where it was still a close game, even though Cutler was out. The defense was the reason they were, you know, they had a good defense. And uh, Erlacher fucking picked off Rodgers and, and um, was almost in the clear as he headed towards the uh, the sideline to go upfield, and uh, Rogers somehow managed yep. to bring him down with a throw. Basically, just threw his body in front of him, but nevertheless, he brought him down. It always kind of haunts me. I mean, Erlacher was a lot older then. I mean, he'd been in the league ten years, and Rogers, good athlete, he's a quarterback. But uh, it was in my head that would have been that would have been something we'd be talking about forever. I think if had it gone the other way. So I, I think people. I know I was guilty of this for a while. Um, faulty memory. Think that Caleb Haney is the guy who came in to replace Cutler. Yep. The first started with our good our good friend Todd Collins. Yes. Todd went a brisk zero for four. And not to be the typical meatball, I was at that game. I just remember being furious that that Lovey wasted that time. You might as well have just – you already knew what you had in Todd Collins. Right. It's not about, oh, the backup quarterback's the most popular guy in town. Let's go to this heretofore never heard of 
Caleb Haney, it was like, no, you might as well go to Caleb Haney because you know what this Todd Collins could do. And he absolutely demonstrated it in an absolute waste. Not that the clock was a factor in the end, but it was pointless to even throw Collins out there. I'd forgotten that until you just mentioned it. You're right. Memory can be faulty. They, they didn't. There was an intercession there. So then Caleb came in. He went 13 of 20 for 153 yards. He wasn't horrible and in that game. Well, he was he was horrible the next year. Yes. He made a few bad plays, but what do you um, expect with all that was on the line? Throwing the interception to the nose guard. Um, that's a bad. That's a bad look. That was, right, I'll give you that. That was bad. <laughs> BJ Raji with an 18-yard interception return for a touchdown. Because it was 14. To, the the uh, Bears had scored uh, in the fourth to make it 14 to seven. Bears get the ball back. Here we go. And then BJ. Raji, yeah. Yeah. And then a Mason, well, then, uh, um, then Earl Crosby. Bennett, Caleb threw a touchdown pass to Earl Bennett to make it 21-14. Okay, he's, so he's still came. Yeah, I remember thinking he didn't play poorly, but it's one of those things when you're watching a guy that God. is, you know, probably overmatched, like everything has to go perfect. You know who scored the Bears' rushing touchdown in that game? Uh, not, right. It wasn't Matt Forte the way you asked the question. Right, it was not. It was Chester Taylor. Oh, yeah. Good old Chet Taylor. Forte, 17 carries for 70 yards. Chet, wow. three carries for two yards and a touchdown. Okay. And was this Edgar or Earl? I think it's Earl. Oh, Earl about it. Yeah. Well, the Bears had Edgar, Edgar, but not that year, right? Well, and so did the Packers. Yes. He's most famous as a Packer. Correct. But the Bears went and signed him. And then he was useless. Yeah, Earl Bennett ran once for minus one. So clearly a great trick play. Earl Bennett. I, that's, you know, of all of the litany of wide receivers that I've sort of, you know, as we all do as fans, like just sort of end up enumerating throughout the season just for various reasons. This season, Earl Bennett did not come up. And, oh, my God, I totally forgot about goal number 80. Did he go to Tennessee, Earl Bennett? Oh, no, he went to Vandy with Jay. That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah, so he, had that, he had that elite Vanderbilt speed. Which is, I mean, I was like, he was a good receiver. Re- he just wasn't terribly fast. Is that what it was? Yeah. He wasn't a bad player and he was pretty productive, but yeah, uh, yeah. I'd completely forgotten about him until he was their now. best receiver some years. And that's not, that's, <laughs> that's not good. An, that's an indictment. He's supposed to be like your third or fourth guy, not your first guy. <laughs> right. That's kind of the history of the Chicago bears. You remember Bobby Ingram? Yeah. More than I should. Okay, so the reason I was going to say that there's a parallel here, because people were like, when the Cubs and Cardinals met in the playoffs in 2015, well, for a long time in baseball, it was impossible for them to meet. But the then for quite a while, it was possible, except for the fact that when when the Cardinals were good, the Cubs weren't. And then in the few years when the Cubs were good, the Cardinals weren't. So they wouldn't mm-hmm. face each other. Well, So the Bears and Packers have met in the playoffs twice. How many times have they made the playoffs in the same year? Okay, well, that's easy as far as the pre-Super Bowl era because when they faced each other, that would have been the only time until the 60s. So that's one. The Bears made the playoffs in 77 and 79. As you've already discussed, the Packers are horrible. The Packers somehow made it in 82, but the Bears were bad. Bears made it all the time in the late 80s, and the Packers were bad. And then it's easy to get to this answer because after the Ditka era, in which the Packers never made the playoffs, the Bears made it in 94. So did the Packers because I know they beat the Lions. The Bears yep. made it in 01. I'm pretty sure the Packers did because I think the Rams throttled them in the title game that year. The Bears made the playoffs in 05, and 
I think they kept the Packers out in 06. I think they kept them out. I think they kept them out both years. So that was a nice little mini golden era uh, between the two. So I'm up to three. And no, obviously, you're at, you're, tw- at, you're at four. I'm sorry. Okay. So I'm at four. Um, and then 2010, they faced each other. That's obvious. And then in 2018. Oh, wait. You were right. You were at, I was counting 2010. You were at, you were at three. Okay. Now you're at four. And then uh, that's at four. So, and it comes down to whether or not the Packers made the playoffs in 2018. And no, they didn't because that's when they've been hacked them out. So, I've only made the playoffs in the same season four times. Four that's, that's times. Rather incredible yes. stat. And they have only won playoff games in the same postseason. 94. Bears beat the Vikings and the Packers uh, beat the, the Lions. Four teams from that division made the playoffs in 94. Yep. That's it. And the, uh, Yikes. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, it, I mean, if you, when you investigate, you'll see the bears are highly culpable of it because it's in the, well, yeah, la- the, the last 30 years, which the odds would be increased of teams, yeah. but Hey, yeah, the Cubs, uh, at least the Cubs went to the playoffs more times than people thought. That yeah. was more coincidence. I mean, the Cardinals were all – they've had some streaks under uh, their uh, Hall of Famer well, that's a, baseball uh, person. They went <laughs> They went a lot, and the Cubs were taking a lot of those seasons off. But yeah, this one, that's the a, fault lies pretty much squarely with the Bears. That's a good point because you didn't ask me about the Cubs' cards, but, I mean, uh well, How many times have they been in the same season? Yeah, 07, 08, I don't know about the Cardinals, but it's not, uh, but yeah, 15 and 8, no, yeah, 15 and 18, the Cardinals make it? No, were they out three years in a row recently? 16, 17, 18? 19, the Cubs didn't make it? I don't know that they've, I think they only may have made the playoffs in the same year once. And the 15. And the Cubs, you know, have bragging rights forever. Yeah, so at least once, and unless the Cardinals made it in 07, 08, that's it, so... That is uh, quite a parallel. No, there's no way prepared. they made it in 07 because the Cubs were bad. They knocked them out. Right. The no, Cubs, no, the Cubs made the playoffs. Right, they made the was, playoffs but with a terrible record, so there's no way a wild card wandered right. in from. But the cards with the recently acquired Joel Pinero, that was the game where um, where Oleg, Fork, and Slack and I uh, <laughs> were able to, to get an HGH chant going throughout all of Wrigley for Rick Ankeel as he got the golden sombrero. They got eliminated that year. And I don't think – 08, though, I think uh, – I don't think they made it either. So that would be just, yeah, uh, no more than, no more than twice. So that's a, an, an interesting parallel, Andy. I'd never considered it before. Thanks for bringing it up. The Packers have never beaten the bears on the week that Walter Payton died. We know that they're over one, right? <laughs> thanks Walter's to, hand thanks came to, down from the sky. Brian Robinson. He gets credit for a, for a blocked field goal. He jumped maybe an inch. I mean, I'm glad he blocked it, but that was very much Ryan Longwell hitting him with the ball. Are you are you saying that even though you don't believe in ghosts, you're convinced that sweetness sort of gave him a little bit of a nudge? Because yeah, the other thing about that, that why it felt so cathartic, is that was the first win against the Packers in six seasons. Yeah. Packers, Packers have won 10 times in a row. Yeah. And that was the first time that you and I had experienced. We talk about where we enter the sports world and the Packers don't matter. You don't know about history. You learn about history later. You don't know about Lombardi. You just know that this team with the Plotchman's mustard pants are just a nuisance and they just want to move on to the next week. And then 
all of a sudden that team spends a decade or a half a decade just sweeping you. I had a I had a friend in high school who we made he was a Packer fan and we, he made the lame if the Bears if the Packers win I'll wear you bring your Packer jersey I'll wear it to school that day and if the Bears win you have to wear the Bears jersey I never feared ever having to wear right. the Packer jersey I never did I didn't that was never even a, you, that wasn't a concern you, you owned that guy no I had I had Coach Dicka and he there was no way he was gonna nope. let me down and he didn't. He nope. and he loved beating the shit out of the Packers. Loved he it. did like like more than we did too. Because again, one more time, as a kid, not not you know not uh, you know knowing the history, um, I didn't even with Charles Martin. Like I didn't like they were of no consequence. I've said it like five times, but it, I can't stress it enough. Like we were when the Bears became good under Ditka, it was like Redskins, 49ers, Giants, you know, and then maybe the Vikings. With we talked about that within the division. Uh, the Packers were just like, but Ditka, and in retrospect, it's obvious, you know, he played against mm-hmm. uh, Forrest Gregg. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's a lot more obvious to me now than it was. I wasn't even aware of it so much at the time. Uh, but yeah, he, Ditka, in, really got a red ass over beating the Packers and Forrest Gregg. I mean, yes, their rivals hated, going back 20 years. He hated Forrest Gregg. Forrest Gregg hated him to the point where I don't remember what year it was, but Ken Stills took out Matt Sui. 85. In the, going back to the huddle, the play was so over that the yeah. Bears were literally huddling and still flying in and hit Suey. Rode him over the bench. And then a guy named Mark Lee also totally shoved Peyton upside the uh, bottom of the face mask, too, in the same game. Um, Yeah, and so... All right, let's start there. As far as far as some Packer humiliation, so we you you referenced last week in '85, in you know Ditka gets the inspiration from from feeling that he got disrespected by Bill Walsh in he the did. NFC t- title game in '84, when, when Walsh puts his big fat lineman in the backfield for the last two plays of the game. So Ditka does the same thing to Bill Walsh when the Bears pummel the Niners and Joe Montana in '85, and at the end of the game, hands the ball off to Perry a couple times. And then Ditka, you know, gets plowed and gets a DUI after he flying back to O'Hare that yep. night. And Bears are going to play the Packers the following week. The joke was going right coincidentally, um, and this was unheard of in 1985, but the Bears had to make an announcement that they were cutting off bear sales at halftime, which mm-hmm. until 1985, ballparks didn't cut off bear sales uh, ever. You know, games going on, they're, they're, the taps are open. Uh, and the punchline was that um, that Ditka had to, uh, that they're saving the rest of the beer for Ditka. <laughs> so, but going into that Monday night game, Ditka took this like germ of an idea that sort of came out of a red ass situation or, you know, this indignant, you know, sort of grudge. And he expanded on it because now he's rolling into a game against Forrest Gregg. Now, for those of you that might need a little bit of context, Ditka, a Hall of Fame player for the Bears in the 60s. Greg may have been a Hall of Fame offensive lineman, so they weren't. They never played against each other at the same side because Greg was on that great offensive line. I think he was a Hall of Famer. Um, yeah, he's a Hall but, yeah, but they had uh, Ditka had a had a, had a bone in his nose about uh, about uh, Greg, and somehow sort of took that inspiration that Bill Walsh had you know, first planted, and took it to the next level. And on Monday Night Football, of course, 
uh, proceeded to hand the ball. Or he used Perry again and the goal line this time in, in, in national television. And Peyton scores an easy touchdown as, as Perry just completely wipes out the Packer linebacker, George Cumbie. And so it's fun. It's entertaining. We're all watching. I'm 13 years old. You're about the same age. And we're like, you know, Bears are awesome. They're going to win it all that year. Second time they get down to the goal line, there's Perry lineup. And they give him the ball. <laughs> And he scores. And then, of course, Perry becomes an overnight sensation, right? He's on Letterman within a few weeks. And it's like, you know, the endorsement's compiling in. The whole Super Bowl train starts taking off. However, and, and, and did, did that a few more times, but they go up to Lambeau a few weeks later. And um, and they and, and it was actually a close game. This is the game that you're talking about. This is the same game where Packer, um, uh, Leroy, Leroy, who was it? Not Paul. He was a later heir. The guy that pushed Suey over the, over the bench. Uh, the guy that you mentioned, Ken Stills. Stills. Yeah. So it was a chippy game. Uh, Stills uh, takes Suey out of bounds and then continues to push, but it goes all the way over the bench behind the players. Peyton, you know, draws a, you know, somebody hits Peyton and gets a personal foul. It's obviously chippy game. Bears get down to the goal line again. And we were kind of getting accustomed to Fridge being in the backfield, usually blocking once in a while, taking the handoff. And <laughs> this time, uh, does he go in motion or something? I can't remember now, but they throw a fucking pass yeah. to him. The 300-pound lineman, one of only three or four 300-pound linemen in the NFL at the time. And he catches the pass, just another level. So, yeah, in retrospect, it's quite hilarious how how creative they get they got and just trying to just give it to the pass. You got you got to find that video. You have to put, you have to put that one out there. That's a, and you have to it's have a the Tim WGN. Ryan Johnny Moore special even. No, but you have to have the WGN radio call. The Bears run WGN that year. Wayne Laird and then Jim Hart and Dick Butkus in the booth. And for years yeah. Did, afterwards, doesn't Butkus just start laughing like even? Before? No, I'll tell you what he does, and this will you can find it. And this will this will verify it because the WGN used this in promos between like 1980. They were they were kind of lucky, just like. Um, uh, just like the score was when they got the Cubs the first year of the World Series. But in 84, the Bears had been on WBBM for years until the 85 season. Big Joe, uh, Joe McConnell and Brad Palmer uh, did the games on uh, on 780. They go to GN in 85, and they hire a new crew. Wayne Larrabee comes up from Kansas City, Jim Hart and, uh, and Butkus. But for and they had it for the next five years, GN Radio. And for about five years after that, or at least for a few years, they used in promos. They used this play. They used this touchdown pass from McMahon to uh, Fridge Perry, because um, you know just to enforce listening to the games and turning on the TV. But Butkus is like heard going, "He's open! He's open!" <laughs> it's, it's like the most enthralling. Uh, jubilant uh, now a scene. If you can find the audio to match that, it's probably preferred because you're right. It otherwise probably be Johnny Morris. It I is, don't I think it's Johnny. It's Johnny Morris and Tim okay. Ryan. And Tim Ryan. They weren't bringing out Madden and Summerall maybe yet for like that game and that time of the season. But um, I mean, just just watch the video. I mean, and 300 pound football players are the norm now. Uh, when William Perry was on the was drafted by the Bears, he was he was there were fewer than five percent. I mean, there it's kind of astronomical how quickly that's taken off. So imagine one of the biggest, fattest players in the game um, going into you know the backfield and catching a pass, and that's what Mike did could do to the Packers. Uh, so other so bear indignities in Green Bay include uh, 
the worst instant replay of all time. In fact, a replay call that was so bad, they actually stopped using replay for a couple of years. They did. The Don Makowski was clearly over the line of scrimmage, and they managed to screw that ruling up. He was over the line. They they didn't call. How did they 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 ruled it over the line on review, and they shouldn't have, right? I think that's my memory. Well, it screwed the Bears. So they must. It have. did. And for years, the Bears in the media guide, um, when they would like, had list an asterisk. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, they did not, and they would just say "instant replay game" yeah. at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing better than passive aggressive media guide. Right, and like that's an official document, so it's kind of funny to note that you know in there. But it was, I mean, it was, and that what eighty nine was like the aberration, right? The Bears swept, or the the Bears swept the Packers in eighty five, eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight, and then they had that weird season eighty nine after Dan Hampton got hurt when they got off to a four and zero start, and then uh, every team in the division exacted revenge on them for the last five years. And then they, for the next couple of years, at least, the Bears got back to sweeping the Packers in 90 and 91. So um, can you imagine? So they, they the, swept them six out of eight years. Can you imagine being four games over 500 that early into the season and then not winning another game in the season? Well, well, what would the, that be like? Oh, that's right. It's happening right now. <laughs> Wait, are you are you specifically making a reference to something Ditka said later in the season? By the way, about not winning another <laughs> I don't think game. This team can win another. I'm not sure this team can win right. another game. He was right. They did win. An, they did win another game after the four and zero start. They just yeah. didn't win very many. No, that was when they went to Washington, and he blamed everything on Danell Wolford. Yep, who yep. turned out to be a good quarterback. Yes, turned out to be a very it, good it, player for them. One of it, their few it, good it, picks at that yeah. point. Right in the Jerry Venisi era, Ditka had sort of jumped the shark by then, and like I said, they they came right back the next two years. You know, they won the division in ninety ninety one, but it was by then we were kind of accustomed, kind of like we are with the Cubs right now. To like, uh, I don't know if they're going to do much, even if they get there. So, but they still beat the hell out of the Packers at least through the ninety one season. Swept so, them six out of seven years. So there's a there's a game that I don't. I should look this up. I don't remember the. I don't think it was this. And when I have two football podcasts, I have a hard time remembering what I've talked to who about. But I remember as a kid, the Bears were beating the shit out of the Packers. 61 to 7. I was there. At Soldier at Soldier's Field. And as a small lad, I was 1980. Like it was 80, so uh-huh. I was, it was 1980. Yeah. Yep. Um, Gary Fensick intercepted a pass. And the end zone, he's right in front of the Bears end zone. And I was like, just I remember telling him, why don't you just go to that one? He's like, well, you can't, you have to go to the, you can't, <laughs> right, right, right. like, can't he just score? His dad was like, well, the kid, his kid's a moron, but he, at least he's so, starting to figure out where right. there's certain parts of the field you can score points. This I, historic Bears drubbing provided an education, uh, yeah. a teaching moment for, for you. I realize so, you have to go to the end zone in front of you, not the one that's behind you. You're protecting. You've gone tonight. You've gone to 1980, and I'm going to come back to this game because that was at the end of the 80 season, and I just started going. You know, I you know I become a fan in '79. I started going to games in '79. It was probably the third or fourth game I ever went to, and it was a cathartic game. Um, not to be so dramatic, but uh, with regard to what had happened on the other end of the season at the beginning of the year, September uh, they, 7th, 1980, a day right. that will live in, in infinite. I mean, and I'm. I want. I want everyone to listen closely to how um, fucked up this is. Pardon my <laughs> French. 
Um, this is this is really in the depths of when both the Bears and Packers were like truly historic bad for their their respective franchises. Because the Bears themselves, of course, had a very proud history, you know, 30s and 40s into the 50s, a little bit of a dry spell, then 63, and then a big dry spell. Um, and the Packers, of course, were 15 years removed from Lombardi, but the Bears did make the playoffs in 79. So I was hooked because that was the first year I, I'm watching. We watched every game and they, you know, eked into the playoffs and they lost a frustrating game to the Philadelphia. So, but you're optimistic. You're, you're an eight year old kid. You're going into the next season and, and you can't wait for the season to start. And it happens up against that inconsequential team from that place in Green Bay and it's in their town and all right, whatever. Got to get off to the right start. And somehow uh, the Bears couldn't quite, um, you know, vanquish them in regulation. It goes to overtime. And I remember watching this game, one of the earliest, you know, memories that I have with, you know, my, I know my dad was in the room because I remember the expression on his face. <laughs> I'm sure, well, one or two brothers, sisters were in the room. And uh, we go to overtime and the Packers uh, get in field position or uh, position to kick the winning field goal. At the time, the Bears had a fellow that any football fan uh, will recognize Alan page who, you know, once again, when you become a fan at a certain era, you don't know the history like you know, backward, you know, uh, behind you. And so I loved Alan page and thought he was the greatest and had no idea that I was actually watching a guy that was at the absolute tail end of his career. It didn't matter. He was such a badass that even, you know, at the end of his career, he was, you know, you could tell that the, the guy, the guy was awesome. Um, and he, I want to say, and I could be wrong, maybe it wasn't him, it could have been Jim Osborne, but I'm pretty sure it's Page, gets his hand up and blocks the field goal attempt. And right now it's 6-6 in, so. six, six in overtime. 6-6 six, six in overtime. So this is so this sudden is death <laughs> overtime. Which pretty much pretty much encapsulates both of these franchises in that period that they go to overtime with a 6-6 six, six game, presumably just four field goals. So... The Green Bay kicker, Chester Markle, okay? And if that name sounds funny, you should Google image search <laughs> Chester Markle, okay? And I'll come back to that in a minute because it still drives me up a wall. Uh, uh, you know, up a wall. Goes to kick the, I, I think it's like a 34, 35-yard uh, game-winning overtime field goal. The kick gets blocked by, I want to say, Ellen Page. Like I said, could have been Jim Osborne. The ball goes directly back into Chester Markle's arms, who just happens to run around left end and has a clearing and runs unmolested into the end zone uh, with the game-winning touchdown. Um, it's it's even more astonishing to think about, you know, 40 years later. I just remember as a kid, we all kind of jumped up from the couch, uh, I think, because the kick was blocked. Mm -hmm. And I just remember, like, all this thing happens and, like, people are yelling. And I just remember looking at my dad and he's just staring at the television like absolutely stunned, and he's just like starts to shake his head. It's the idea that somehow it's not just the fact that a goddamn place kicker scores a touchdown on this fluke bounce, right? But if you if you Google image search uh, Chester Markle, uh, let me just say he is the type of place kicker that other place kickers would stuff into a locker. <laughs> And yet um, he manages to walk off with a winning touchdown in the most. So the other thing about this, th this game constantly triggered me in the, so in the few years after it happened, because in the early eighties, you probably remember this, Andy, there'd be a commercial uh, presented by Alcoa. Mm -hmm. Alcoa can't wait. Was it, was that their slogan? Um, or am I screwing that up? But it was, um, 
the whole promotion. There's a 30 second commercial. It was uh, uh, um, Alcoa. Um, it was a flashback. And now it's now it's not it's escaping me what the slogan was. Well, they used to uh, fanta- do the they fantastic. Used to, yeah, his finishes. They also had you make the call, and they yeah that was later. To, that was you'd later. have to guess what the what happened. Yeah, right, right. Alcoa can't wait. I think was the slogan. It was like uh, Alcoa remembers something along those lines. They would show like the aforementioned Roger Staubach original, so-called original Hail Mary to Drew Pearson. Uh, I think Dave Casper's Holy Roller tight end for and former Notre Dame star for the Oakland John Madden's Oakland Raiders that won a game when he was you know about to be tackled with the clock running out and then sort of rolled the ball forward that ended up being a touchdown and. It, precipitated an NFL rule that you can't advance a uh, forward fumble on offense, I think, in the last so many minutes of a game. But one that they would invariably show for several several years after uh, the, the, home, the opening game in 1980 was Chester Marco with his Coke bottle glasses and his single rim NFL um, helmet uh, kicking one right into the arms of the Bears' front line and then running it in for an end zone. Um, you can tell I'm, you know, I'm still struggling with that 40 years later. Yeah. Chester Marble. Alcoa can't wait. That was part of the commercial. That was. The one I found is Johnny Unitas against the Packers. So not, ah, not Chester inje- Marble, Injected into my veins. Yes. Um, okay, so you, uh, so Chester, the unlikely hero of that game. Um, later on, we find out, well, Chester was Cheslaw, Boleslaw, Chester Markle. He was born in Poland, um, moved to Michigan as a lad, went to high school. It says here he didn't really speak English in uh, high school. That's Michigan. That's not a problem. Kicked at immortal Hillsdale College. Ooh. He was the NFC Rookie of the Year in 1972. For the Chiefs, right? No. No, for the Packers. Dan Devine drafted him. That's what they got in the center. Okay. Wow. He went to two Pro Bowls. He's in the Packer Hall of Fame. Made 48 field goals in 1972. Obviously a very good Packer offense if they were kicking 48 fucking field goals. <laughs> in a 14-game season. But he, wow. so I, when he wrote wait, his wait. book, which I'm sure you read, he admitted that he was on, you talked about his Coke bottle glasses, he was on Coke when he caught the blocked field goal and ran it in for a touchdown. No shit. He said he Just did. Like, he, he did. He did coke at halftime and felt he could still feel the effects even in overtime. I don't want to endorse the use of cocaine, but I can't imagine the high he must have had actually finding a goddamn football in his arms that wired and 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 somehow running it in with all these huge men, American football players chasing him. Now wow. You, you used an interesting term when you talked about him running in the end zone. You said he was unmolested. So that just proves that he was not on the 1985 Packers because they had not one, but two players who both were arrested for molesting women. Mossy Cade and James, James Lofton. Yes. Mm. Mossy. Mossy's was bad, if I remember yes. correctly. I won't, let's not get into it. Let's just say that my brother's nickname for Mossy for the rest of his life was the Anteater. Um, <laughs> people can Google that, but don't Google it at work. Um, here's a, here's a happy little coincidence for your franchise. Both Mossy and James, now James was accused of, uh, 
forcing a woman to perform oral sex on him in a stairwell. He claimed she was into it. Mossy's was, you know, Whole relatively worse. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> relative. You look that up. Um, right. Just NSF. So here's this proud, this proud franchise up there in the hinterlands. Mm-hmm. In May 1986, two of their players are on trial in separate courtrooms in the same courthouse. James Loft and Mossy Cade across the hall from each other. James gets acquitted. Mossy does not. James, before the trial, got traded to the Raiders. So he not only won, he got to get the hell out of Green Bay. So it was a win-win for James both ways. I'd say. But that doesn't even that doesn't even include Mark Chamura in the hot tub. That's right. Yep. In the well-to-do suburbs of, yeah, I forget the town. Yeah. His, uh, his neighbor, his neighbor's kid was having prom. So Mark invited all the kids over, as one does, to hang out in his hot tub with him. Right. And uh, allegedly uh, had sex with one of the teenage girls. Right. I mean, who can say what you would do if you're living in this house and there were obviously there's obviously a post prom party next door? Yeah, like that's invite them into your mammoth pool. I mean, like there's not anything wrong with that optics wise or anything else. I mean, yeah, Mark. And then much more. This makes the next one seem oh so innocent. Najee Davenport. Oh, my full, favorite. Former this is my This is my favorite. When he was attending the University of Miami, was in a room he wasn't supposed to be in. So he hid in the closet. That's, you know, that's fine. Unfortunately, whatever was going on that he couldn't reveal himself was dragging on for quite a while. And nature yeah. called. So Najee, I'm assuming Najee had one eaten does, Mexican for dinner that night. <laughs> Najee took a shit in the hamper in the closet. <laughs> not even the garbage can. Not that that'd make it any better, but in the hamper. Yep. <laughs> Attaboy, Najee. I almost forgot that he played for the Packers. Yep. Now it makes sense. <laughs> uh, just to bring back the, the, the Chester Markle back to the other game of the season. So I, carrying that cross all season, I got to go to the game in December and beating the Packers 60, even though I didn't hate them then because they were otherwise inconsequential in spite of that weird flukish victory. Um, yeah, they uh, they ran up the score on Bart Starr and uh, pounded him 61-7. to seven. So that's another feather in our cap, I guess, because it's uh, it's got to be one of the more historic drubbings in NFL history. So I can tell you that eight-year-old Huey was there. So the the box score for the six for the twelve six Packer win reveals a as you would expect a multitude of ineptitude. Um, Walter Payton rushed the ball thirty one times for sixty five yards. Oof, that's not good. Um, Eddie Lee Ivory led the Packers. With 73 yards rushing at 15 carries. Yeah, number one draft pick out of Georgia Tech. Big bust, as it turned out. John I think Skibinski he was working. got five carries for the Bears. I vaguely remember John Skabinski. I don't remember John Sk- 
Bashnagel caught five passes. James Scott caught five more. Bashnagel was always good for five passes, it seems, in all these games in the early 80s. Yeah, for 50 yards. But, hey. but you want to see something, you got to go to that 61-7 to game, though. Hey, you're going to see some James Scott and some maybe some Ricky Watts blowing it up. You know, maybe even Peyton's no, maybe even your guy Roland Harper scored in that game. For- I would think. I think didn't Roland Harper rush for probably? Well, Peyton set the record at the time, two hundred seventy-five yards. I bet Roland had two hundred seventy-four in that game. Let's see. Here we go. Vince Evans, eighteen of twenty-two for three hundred and sixteen yards and three touchdowns. Wow, that's like Phil Simms in Super Bowl twenty-one. That's quality stuff. Walter Payton, twenty-two carries for one hundred and thirty yards and three. Uh touchdowns ah that's more like it roland harper 11 for 37 and a touchdown okay um john skabinski five more for 20 yards he was everywhere yes receiving ricky watts four for 126 and a touchdown bash three for 44 and a touchdown robin earl three for 39 and a touchdown our buddy the old tight end let's see ricky watts walter payton they didn't score on defense oh no they did Len Walterscheid oh, no. had I'm a 36-yard interception return. Good good old number 23. I haven't thought of Len Walterscheid in years. How about that? Yep, interceptions. I was right. Gary Fensick, Fensick one for eight Fensick yards. Had, if he had just turned to run the other way, he'd have gained much more yards. And Len Walterscheid. And the, score, and the score would have been 61-9. to nine. Those were yeah. the only turnovers in the game. You would think in a 61-7 to seven drop. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Bob Thomas somehow managed to miss two extra points. Damn, that, I could have I could have been in a game where the Bears scored sixty-seven points if it wasn't for Bob Thomas, future Illinois Supreme Court Justice Bob Thomas. Well, sixty-three. Or sixty-one to seven. You said he missed two, right? Two extra points. Oh, two extra, he missed two extra two points. Two extra points. Yeah. So it was just nine touchdowns. There were no field goals for Thomas. Uh, I believe he kicked right. one. He did. So they scored no. six. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. How? Yeah. How was that? Yep. The Bears scored All nine touchdowns. touchdowns. All touchdowns. Still, poor Bob Thomas. Two. His right leg must have been getting sore. Yeah, it must have been. He probably missed the last two because he was exhausted. <laughs> Jan Stenerud yeah. made an f- extra point for the Packers. All right. Multiple references to Jan Stenerud. <laughs> Yes, no. that is that was an ass kicking. That was that was great. yeah, it was enjoyable. And I was you know, and, and considering what happened in the beginning of the year and the Bears season was already over, you can almost blame that game for getting them off on the wrong foot, even though they were probably just bad. Um, pretty rewarding to experience that in the same season. Um, you know, a a coked up <laughs> Polish born. Uh, oh yeah, where was Chester? What happened? He to got Chester? See, so something happened that year. Uh-huh. It, we were like Bart Starr got pissed off at him, and yeah, I remember like there was like drought. Like it was like 1980 was the year of Chester Markle. Dude scores a touchdown, and then he ends up falling out of favor. There was something, and it must have maybe probably been his, you know, goddamn blow addiction, or I, I always thought he was a, a drunk too. But uh, I'm sure, I'm sure that's not isolated to one, uh, one chemical here. Markle but. was cut. By head coach Bart Starr on October 8, 1980, following a rough game against the Bengals. Starr Jesus said Markle was cut because of poor kickoffs, but Markle felt it was because of his cocaine use. Oh, yeah. Out, out in the open. Okay. So just a month after he wins the game for them, what kind of gratitude is that? So here, this is 
this is football in the 1980 for you. Um, the Houston Oilers came to Green Bay for a game on December 14th. Late in the week, Oilers kicker Tony Fritch was injured and was determined unable to play. Markle was still living in Green Bay, so the Oilers claimed him off waivers. He kicked a field goal and made three extra points in a 22-3 Houston win. Markle remained with the Oilers for the rest of the season, but did not play again. In your in your face, Bart Starr. I, I'd like to I'd like to picture Marco looking across the field at Starr after the last field goal and just doing a big sniff of his nose as he walks off the field. All right, I would not suggest if if you're ever offered a drink and they call it the Chester Markle, do not try it. Okay, so Anteater Chester Markle drink on February fourteenth. 1986, Markle attempted suicide by drinking a mixture of battery acid, rat poison, and vodka. He got to cut it with something, which severely damaged his esophagus. He had his esophagus stretched as treatment. What year was that? 1986. Okay. Still alive, lives in the Upper Peninsula in Dollar Bay, Michigan. Well, yeah, good thing nobody drinks up there. So he's, you know, I'm sure he's recovering nice and well. Uh, It says he's recovered from his addictions, but has hepatitis C. It just gets Chester, better for Chester. Chester. Life has dealt him some very interesting things. His high, so it's really his high point was like traipsing, even though he probably doesn't remember it because he was so he's wired. So coked up, he doesn't remember the greatest moment he's of his profession. Tra- traipsing across uh, the goal line to dash eight-year-old Huey's heart. A couple of other fond memories of the Bears and Packers. Um, both teams managed to ruin... Um, Jersey retirements for the others. Well, I know 1994 with Sayers and Butkus. That was Halloween, right? And the that rain, Halloween and the, and the wind with the it, it was, was Halloween sideways. It was, the sleet was coming down sideways. I was not there, fortunately, but I know people that were, and they will say it was probably the one of the worst experiences they've ever had. Cold, dark Monday night. And then wouldn't so wouldn't the John Fox win have been? Wasn't that during the that far was it. Jersey retirement? So that was. So that was the significant thing that happened. That was that on, but it wasn't on Thanksgiving though. You already pointed that out, so I was confused. Right, it was a Sunday game. night though, because Al but it was and Chris were in town, town to watch the so, Packers pound their rivals, and Brett his triumphant return to Green Bay. And, that's uh, right. They I even wanna, I need to, they even propped poor little Bart Starr up against like one against a cushion. <laughs> so like wave at Brett, hey. Right, even though they had no, yeah, well, he was a Packer, more in his role as a former Packer quarterback, obviously. So wait, what year would that have been? 20, so that was in the Fox era, so it would be 15, 16, or 17. So the first, okay. Um, well, I, 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 I'm glad to sort of uh, try to re-remember that and just kind of instill that into the hard drive, because that's a pretty cool moment, at least. I'll take the solace and... Because that was uh, not even a good Bears team just to kind of come out of the blue and, and, and screw that up. Oh, so they retired in terms of halftime. Right. This is in the lead for the story. So one very annoying part of this was they brought back a lot of other Packer quarterbacks, not just um, Bart Starr. Jim McMahon was there with his Packer 9 jersey on. Really? Yes. Same guy who went to the White House in a Bears jersey in January of 1997? Somehow, I guess they wouldn't let him on the field. Um, yeah, that's lame. He was a freaking backup. In I mean, I'm sure they gave it to him to wear because he showed up, but he didn't have to put it on. <sighs> but Yeah, that's all right. I'll just chalk it up to the dementia. 
<laughs> so this somebody this is a USA Today for the win thing it says here Rogers found the perfect way to honor Favre. Late in the fourth, Rogers looked like he was going to drive his team down the field for a game-winning touchdown with the Bears. Well, he can't be game-winning touch with the Bears up seventeen to three, but he honored Favre perfectly. He threw a horrible interception instead. <laughs> so that's actually kind of funny. That's good. That is how you would honor uh, Favre. That wasn't a local writer, right? No, it was somebody. The USA Today, you said. Oh God, okay. no! You'd get run out of Green Bay if you joked about yeah. such a thing. <laughs> I but, thought about Favre earlier this year when, and actually, ironically, in the game where Mitch got benched, uh, because uh, I don't know if you remember when Mitch broke free and went on the forty-one yard run against the Falcons. He had an opportunity to do a very Favre thing, which I think would have worked against the Falcons. Now Favre running down the field far beyond the line of scrimmage would fake a throw. Would have faked a throw, after. and the defensive right. back would have frozen. And Is I really thought instinct? Mitch was going to do it. Of course, Mitch would have pulled back, and the ball would have flown out of his hands. <laughs> <laughs> or he would have actually thrown. Yeah, or he would have. He just thrown an interception, <laughs> which would be nullified because it's illegal, illegal forward, forward pass. Sorry, you, you know, I I actually I have to give credit. That's not a bad call. It sounds ridiculous because hey, I'm way past right the line because you just you're just trying to get the, you're trying to get the defender to like oh just for a second. It's, it's instinct on the defender's part to like think, oh he's gonna he's gonna throw the pass. So yeah, the thing I always said about Favre was I I hated him. I absolutely hated him. But you knew that if he had been a bear, he would have been everybody's all-time favorite. Oh, sure. Player. With all the just back-breaking his, interceptions. Right. Even with that, it yeah. somehow made him endearing. But he was, you know, he just seemed... And it was as sick as we got of the... And it it didn't become clownish until the end of his Packer career when, when Madden would do yeah. that. Look at him having fun running around. Because he yeah, was yeah, throwing yeah. terrible interceptions. He really... That's right. His career really did slide. It's as evidenced by Lovey finally starting to beat the Packers. And so when he went, he still was good, but he wasn't great anymore. And he kept threatening to retire, and then he wouldn't. Yeah. And so finally they're like, you need to go. We drafted Aaron Rodgers to replace you. Right. And he went and he had right. a bad year with the Jets, and everybody thought, all right, well, he sucks. And then he came back right. and was great that one season with the Vikings. It until was phenomenal. Right, until, as we talked about a couple weeks ago. Yeah, He You're completely right. botched the NFC Championship game. Right. As this is He had custom. a great game until the last, like, 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually didn't hate him till the end of his career. Really, he, he got to be grading. I, I, in spite of the fact that they were pounding the Bears, like I said, they had previously been inconsequential to me. So, when the Packers actually made the playoffs, I was actually fine. I'm like, hey, that's kind of cute, little brother. You know, I was pulling for my. Like, oh, I was never really no, not well because no. you know you grew up. You yes, grew up more grew up northwest Illinois. Fans. Yes. Because, yeah, and I've learned that because I was in DeKalb and, you know, would, would hang out there even when school wasn't in session and got to know a lot of people around. And even in 90, 91, 92, 93, there are a lot of Packers fans when you get out of the sort of six-county Chicago area. There are a lot more Packers fans around here now, obviously, in the last 20 years. But growing up or in the suburbs of Chicago, I hardly – I can't recall encountering one. But I understand – you know, when you drift north and northwest from Chicago, you're going to increasingly run into them. But I didn't have that experience. So I didn't have, that. like I said, hardware there. They were of no consequence in the 80s. When they became good, and the Bears, you know, the Bears had just been good for a while, even though they were disappointing in the playoffs. I was like, yeah, you know, that's, that's a novelty. This mustard-colored team is hmm. in the playoffs. And, you know, I didn't really, you know, I had nothing against Favre. You know, he was a good 
you know, whatever. But uh, over time, it, 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 it took root a little bit later for me, mainly because while they became dominant and the Bears and the Wanstead era were so awful, they would increasingly populate Soldier Field, and I got more of a for sort of a firsthand look. So it just took a while to set in for me. Yeah, they're, they're a little yeah. much. You grew up with it. So, like you said, you dominated it in the right. 80s. Right, so it though. didn't bother me as a kid. I didn't even see them as a rival. They were just that team we always beat. That's what I mean, right. They were, I mean, they I were like much people more worried about, your... the, about the Niners and the Redskins. Uh, right, that's I what I said. But, like, you were still, but you still had people in your community that were, right. and you probably just looked down upon them with pity. Uh, yeah, you my just God. questioned their intelligence. Like, like, if... <laughs> like right. geez, really? That's the team you root for? You have a choice, and you pick like, them? Right. Growing up a Cub fan, think about the think about questioning people's intelligence because they were rooting for a bad team. And they really were. Well, I hope we haven't used uh, up all of these tales for the next time they put in the oh, Packers. It seems like there will always be more. With the I know. I'm sure as soon as we're done, I'm going to think of our ten incidents. Like, oh wow, we didn't talk about that. We didn't talk about well, that's that. That's good because in like that. what three weeks we got to do this all over again. So right, all right, right. I just somebody relinked the Charles Martin video this week. We can go into that next time. You know, whatever. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's, there's. Um, yeah, and that's no the shortage. thing. There, the, the cheap shit. And it's always easy to say that you know, like your team not, never did that stuff, but they the Bears didn't. Correct. That stuff always that was always the Packers' side. They didn't have time for that back then, you know. They're trying to, you know, compete with with the next level. And so yeah, I think retro retro. I just said I didn't really, you know, consider them much retroactively. I really hate that team now because they they were bad of no consequence, and yet they still, you know, did their part to like you know take take a toll out of a team that didn't even have time for them or shouldn't didn't deserve to have time for them. There's a um, and we I can look up more of these before the the NFL films put out. It's been a while now, maybe 20 years ago. They did like the the history of they picked certain teams. They did the Bears and the Raiders and the Packers and the Niners and anybody the Cowboys, anybody and Steelers, anybody who had a storied history. And they put together mm-hmm. these DVD sets. And there's some great stories, great Hallis Lombardi stories. And one of them is at Lambeau. Lombardi is starting to give his pregame speech. He's starting to get the guys riled up. And he hears this he can hear somebody banging on the door that wants to get in. So he stops the speech. Somebody opens the door. George Hallis sticks his head in. And he goes, um, he goes, Hey coach, I just wanted to make sure that your guys are ready. Because we're gonna kick your ass and <laughs> slam the door. <laughs> I don't know that they did. But I love the fact that Hales did that. I don't see Matt Nagy and Matt Lafleur. Um, no, yeah, that. coaches are a little bit more vanilla, I guess. Now, but you know, if you're Nagy right now, you should just pull out all the stops. That's exactly the kind of stuff you ought to be doing. Going in and busting into the, especially with COVID restrictions, just bust into their. I'm sure nobody would sure. frown upon that. Not, not in. Uh, wait, where's the, is the game being played? By the way, up north. Do we even know? Do we care? Was it gonna? Is it gonna go on? So far, only no, no, no. no. Is it play, being played in uh, in Green Bay or Chicago? It is in Green Bay. Yeah. So nobody's gonna be caring if you don't if you violate COVID no, protocol anyway up there. No, there is some. If I, can, uh, if, if I can generalize. Here's the thing, though. Okay, so that 
maybe there's hope. See, this should not be a Sunday night game. It just shouldn't. It's not going to be good. Um, not only that, NBC isn't even sending Al and Chris. <laughs> what? No. See, Al gets Al's getting the week off. So on Thanksgiving night, he's supposed to do. Oh, he's got Mike Tirico is supposed to fill in for him, and they're supposed to do Ravens Steelers. But the whole Ravens team has COVID now. Oh, there might not be a game. The Sunday night game is supposed to be Tirico and Tony Dungy. I mean, the Sunday night after Thanksgiving. Yes, is what you're the saying. Packer Bear Packer game. So how about oh, this? Right. Let's just say maybe they could give the Ravens a few extra days to shake off the COVID. They could move that to Sunday night. They Flex just move it. the Bear game to actually, you know what, given how well the Bears prepare, just have the Bears and Packers play <laughs> Thursday night. You know, let's get it over with, man. Yeah, Guys, give me something we're going to move your game up. Oh, to 4 hours. o'clock? No, we're going to move it up to Thursday. Oh, well, that's great. <laughs> that's a flexing I can get behind. <laughs> I don't think they're going to do that. But it's funny. They seem The NFL seems hell-bent on playing that Thursday night Thanksgiving game, no matter what. Yeah. Even if the Ravens I have know. to, like, you know, pick up kids from a local high school to round out. I saw what was going on with the Ravens, and I wasn't even aware that they're playing a national TV Thursday, so that just adds another element. Yeah. There's some thought that if they do have to postpone it, that that will be the game that will um, – this could be good for the Bears. That would be the game that would, that would necessitate Week 18, which they have in their uh-huh. back pocket. Yep. Somehow, this makes no sense. If they extend the season by a week, they're going to add a playoff team in both conferences. As of right now, that playoff team would be the Bears. You're beloved. If nothing else, that will keep the Bears in the photo for the in the hunt. Yes, they're still in the hunt. It's it's sad because in the hunt is getting farther and farther away from. It's two games behind. You're really not even in the hunt anymore. But they're the only. I think they're the only five and five team. The Vikings okay. would have been had they won, but they didn't. Right. They, so the Bears are still sitting away. in the eighth spot. So they're the only team wow. actively rooting for other teams to flunk COVID tests. <laughs> hey, gives us something to look forward to. All right. Well, that was uh, that was good. That was a nice walk through the. Uh, I enjoyed it. The history of Bears Packers, and. Um, yeah, just a smidge too. Like I said, I think we left plenty out. In the, yeah, and since know, honestly, since we've got another field. one of these to do here in a few weeks, uh, I would be more than happy if people would um, point out things that we missed. Good point, because we can easily easily cover I, them in the next one. I take pride in things that I or I shouldn't take pride in my blessings, but uh, I know there are things I can remember with with clarity. But I am always glad to stand corrected, as at least amongst our audience. I know TJ Brown will always uh, be in, uninhibited about pointing out flaws, and I welcome yeah. that because well, it helps honesty, keep me honesty sharp. Honesty compels us to say that I offered TJ the chance since we had the bye week last week to come on and. Basically, have we could all talk about all the things we get wrong, but he claimed we don't uh-huh. get very many things wrong, which I just don't think is true. But uh, no, we get plenty wrong. I've listened, and I'm like, oh my god, I said San Diego, I meant Austin. Yeah, there's, I get things, yeah, for sure. But we do appreciate so, that he he yeah, points out fact, things because we do want to get we want to get them right. Totally, yeah. I, I don't have an ego about this. No. I want to know it. Yeah. So uh, fact checkers are welcome. So yeah, you throw anything out. Your Bears Packers. Well, uh, if we have a chance, I'll be happy to chew on it. Yeah, we're secure in our ability to remember a lot of things, and we know we don't remember everything. So we're more than happy to be corrected. 
can always enlist the help. All right. Well, then we will look forward to it. Who are they playing after the Packers? Just so I can. That's a good question. Mentally, pl- mentally. Well, I've been. You know, I'm only, I'm taking it one game at a time. I'm focused on the uh, only <laughs> as you should. It's Packer week. I'm only I'm only thinking about the Packers. All that's the time. true. Yeah, one, one focus. Oh, know, it's the really, Lions again. <laughs> it's the Lions again. Okay. Well, we already we're not worried about that. We we made that clear for all the all the wrong reasons that. Yeah. Plenty of material there. Even even if we repeat ourselves, you know, I'd like to think that maybe we can refine the earlier stories anyway. So yeah, you think so? Yeah. All would. right. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> talk to you next week when it's, when it's all about Wayne Fonts. Yes, Bobby talk Ross about Wayne Fonts and the cigar. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't talk hardly at all about Bobby Ross. We, I'm sure. No, we could. Uh, and we could go a little deeper in the Gary Moeller brief era too. So, uh, <laughs> in the meantime, yeah. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, man. You too. All right. Go All Bears. Right. Go Bears. Many of us have herpes. 